Ah, they're perfect. You see that? Encouragement. What's missing? Say it again. You. You're the missing ingredient to encouragement. Right? You. Are you encouraging anyone today? Why did you come to church this morning? Biblically, why did you come to church? Anybody know? We, we find in Hebrews 10 that he said that you're not to forsake the assembling or the coming together of the saints. Now, you've all heard that, and you could probably say, well, that's why I'm here this morning. I don't want to forsake the assembling of the saints. And that's, that's good. But a lot of us fail to read the next little section there. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? The day of his coming that Phil just talked about that we're going to do in Revelation starting in July, I think he said. So, purpose of encouragement. What's the purpose for encouragement? Well, to unify us, to bring us together, a unity. Why do you have a community? Why do we think it's important that you be involved in a small group? One of those purposes is so that we can encourage one another. You want to come together to encourage one another. We are considered a body of Jesus Christ, the body, the bride to come. And so we need each other. So that's the purpose of us coming together. One of the purposes is that we might be able to encourage one another. So on this speaking of uniting for the purpose of encouragement, there's a wonderful passage in Ecclesiastes. I'm going to just read it to you real quick. And we'll, and we'll go from there. Two are better than one. This is Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. I'm reading from the NIV. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one could help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Unity, encouragement, coming together. If you, if you by yourself and you fall down, good luck getting back up. So that's one of the reasons. That's why we unite. That's why we come together for encouragement and for those purposes. Another thing about encouragement is the I would say that we want to say it this way. It's very um, urgent. There's an urgency in encouragement. It's not something you're supposed to be putting off. You're supposed to be doing it. Where do I get that from? Hebrews 3, 13. Once again, we'll read from the NIV. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When do you encourage someone? Today. Right now. While it's called today. Guess what? Tomorrow it won't be called today. That's why we have a different word said tomorrow. So if the Lord puts it on your heart 
to encourage someone, it would be my recommendation scripturally that you encourage them today, right now. How many of you have ever thought, man, I need to tell that. I need to tell that Matt Nicosia. I need to tell him what a great job he's doing. When would you do that? Now. Do it today. You know why? There's a couple reasons for that. One, you may forget to tell him. You may, God may prompt you to say that to him in the children's ministry. You know what? He's going to prompt you a lot more if you got grandkids over there or your children over there. Right? You're going to be encouraging him more so and the Sunday school workers there. But if you don't do it, if you forget to, then you've lost the day. All right? Now, I, I came across this passage a while back. We were doing a staff prayer time. You know where this passage was? It was in intercession. I thought that was very interesting, that that passage would be found in intercession, encouraging one another, interceding on behalf of the saints. You know what? It's my job. It's your job. It's my job as a, today as a pastor and a preacher to encourage you with the word. Okay? So that's our job. We do that. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But guess what? It doesn't stop at the preacher. It goes all the way down through the church. We're all commanded to do that. It's, it doesn't say, but the pastor encouraged you today. Phil has to encourage you today. It doesn't say that. It says, you encourage one another daily. Now, it's interesting. I've done this recently. I was teaching, a, I teach a class downstairs on Sunday mornings called Strengthening Relationships. And there was one of our brothers was in the class and this passage came up and I started to encourage him in front of everybody. He's one of our ushers, by the way. I said, you know what? He came in here this morning. It's like Pastor Phil. We're looking at it right now. He looks just like everything's fine. And it is fine because he didn't have to preach today. So he's much different. But, you know, he comes in. He just looks. Everything's okay. Well, he doesn't need to be encouraged, does he? He doesn't look like he needs to be encouraged at all. He's just, it's just Phil. He's doing great. Everything's good. How do you know he doesn't need to be encouraged? When, let me ask you this. When? Do you not need to be encouraged? I always am looking to be encouraged. And, and guess what? I probably think that, one of, that my spiritual gift is probably to exhort and to encourage. This is right in my wheelhouse. So it's kind of interesting how it worked out that I get this passage or get this section of the one and others. But if... If I see Phil and I think, you know, that's my pastor, I'm going to encourage him in the Lord today. I'm going to give him a, what would be encourage him? A, a scripture might encourage him today. Huh? You might have some kind of scripture on your, on your tongue that you could talk to somebody about. But I used this recently in, in my class. There was that usher. I said, you know what? He came in today. He looks just like he always does every Sunday. He looks like everything's okay. But you know what? We don't know. He might, have, he might have woke up this morning and said, I got to go down there and usher today. Lord, you know the only reason I'm going is because I'm doing it for you. Because those people are whining and complaining about where I set them. They're whining and complaining because the music's too loud. Uh, they're, they're saying they can't get in and get seated because the worship ministry won't let them in early. All the different problems that could be. And he might think, you know what? Nobody cares about me down there. You ever had that feeling? Come on, be honest. You've had that feeling. All of you have. And so I, I just started to use him as the example. 
and walked through that and said, but you know what? If I tell him, you know what, Rich? Hey, let me tell you something. God loves you today. I thank you so much for what you do at that back door. You're the first guy that the people see. You are the person that encourages them. Oh, come on, encourage him. And you know what? He leaned over to Carolyn Howard, who was in the room with us that day, and he says, Larry will never know how much I needed to hear that today. He was right. That's how I felt this morning when I left the house. I felt like nobody cares I show up. They only care if I don't show up. So he came in discouraged, but he showed up because that was what his ministry was. But guess what? Just that little, and I've done that twice recently. I did the same thing in another meeting, and the exact same thing happened. That guy came to me afterward and said, you'll never know how badly I needed to be encouraged today. It's urgent. It's urgent. That's why God said, do it today. Tomorrow, you lost it. Now, I'm not telling you that if you didn't do it today, don't do it tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying because tomorrow's another today. But you've lost your opportunity. You lost the opportunity maybe. And guess why? Why are we doing that? Well, look what happens if you don't do it. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I remember one time I came to worship ministry, midweek, practicing, and the Spirit of God will show up when we practice sometimes because we start off with prayer and reading the Word of God. And I don't know what happened that night, but I, I, I just felt like the presence of the Lord was on me and I had to pray. And I walked up and Deb just handed me the mic. I don't know how she even knew, but she just gave me the microphone and I started praying. And the Spirit of God moved through the room and it was like, it was like the cloud of God himself, the Shekinah, had showed up. It was great. We longed for those kind of meetings. And so, but listen to this. But on my way home, on my way home, I live about three minutes away. The devil started talking to me. They don't need you down there. Why'd you even waste your time coming down here tonight? You think I could have used some encouragement that night? The deceitfulness of the enemy will get inside your ear. And if you're a little bit discouraged and someone comes along, encouragement, what does that word even mean? It means to come alongside of, to speak courage into someone. Pastor Phil today, he might be discouraged like you don't know. But you might say the right word to him that speaks courage into him. That's, he says, I'm willing to keep preaching the word of God because these are the people that God's put in my life to encourage me. So there's an urgency. Another reason for doing encouragement is it's a unique opportunity for us to represent Christ and edify one another when we encourage someone. When you encourage pastor or you encourage a Matt Nicosia or you encourage one another, not just leadership, it's everyone you come in contact with. And I always just wait for the Lord to prompt my heart. And because that's so much of who I am, it's a natural thing. You know what the hardest thing for me to do is accept encouragement. I always feel like if you encourage me, I better encourage you. I, and, and my wife constantly gets me, she says, it's okay to just accept it. It's okay to just say thank you. You don't always have to be. But I'm like, man, I, I, but it's in me to do that. So I don't quench that. But there's that unique opportunity to edify the saints. First Thessalonians 5 1 through 10, Paul is teaching of the day of the Lord, and he's explaining about the rapture of the church. 
and he concludes in verse 11. With that. So he's telling them about the future. Christ is coming back to get the church. You're not going to be here very much longer. We're not, the church, we're not going to be here very much longer. Oh, you're not too excited. You guys want to stay? I'm ready to get out of here. But we're not going to be here very long, and Paul's talking about that. But look what he does in verse 11. This is what he says. Therefore, therefore now, because you know you're not going to be here, you're going to be taken out. Encourage one another and build each other up. Encouragement builds you up. Just as, in fact, you're already doing. So here we go. It's a unique opportunity to edify the saints. It's a unique opportunity to speak what God's saying in our lives. If you've got scripture, this is a reason to be reading the word. So you'll have those scriptures so you're ready to encourage someone with a word. Nothing, nothing, nothing encourages me. Here's, here's two things that really encourage me. Pastor, I'm praying for you. Oh, melts me. Melts me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for the leadership. You need to pray for each other. Absolutely. That's encouraging in itself. But the other is, hey, did you see this passage of what Christ did for us? Isn't that encouraging? Look, we have hope now because of Christ. It's full of hope. The word of God is full of hope. Paul also wants the teaching to be a source of edifying and encouraging the saints. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17, he says this, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. I, I can give you encouragement because he said I'm supposed to. But who gives us eternal encouragement? I'm going to read it again. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loves us by his grace and gave us eternal encouragement. What would that encouragement be? What's the eternal encouragement you have? I can think of one real quick. I got heaven. That's my eternal encouragement. I'm going to be with him forever. You, if you believe that Christ died for your sins this morning, you're going to be with him forever. Now, if that does not encourage you, you might want to, I don't know, you might want to pray about it. Let's say that. So God, Paul's saying there, he says, take the truth of God and encourage your heart with it. You, you know what? If you're not with anybody, if nobody's encouraged you, if you've been all by yourself, you feel for a long time and, Man, I, I try to encourage everybody I come in contact with, but nobody ever encourages me. Oh, poor me. You know, that whole thing. It's, it says there scripturally, you can go to the word of God and let God encourage you. You know, another word for courage, encourage is comfort. Did you know that? That's another, that's a, it's, it's kind of one of those synonyms. It just kind of, those two words are basically the same meaning. They are the same in the Greek. And I'm not going to start pronouncing Greek words because I probably pronounce them wrong and Phil correct me. And so, but it's the same word in the Greek, okay? And, and so who, who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Isn't that interesting? You get comfort from him. If nobody else will comfort you, if nobody else will encourage you, you can go into the word of God and the Holy Spirit's promising he'll encourage you. Wow. That's pretty good, isn't it? 
Now, that doesn't give you an excuse not to encourage. Remember that you've got to have a you in that word, or that word doesn't exist. Encouragement without the you is not encouragement. It's something else. I don't know what that word would be. But you need to be in there. And the last thing I will say about encouragement this morning, although it's not the last thing, trust me, there's a ton more that we could say about it. And, and that was probably the biggest challenge I had in looking at this passage. Let me give you an idea. You know, we're doing the one another's. That's what we've been doing. We've been doing those one another's. And um, there's 15 passages in the New Testament that talk about a direct, this is what you do to one another. This is what you do for one another. There's 15 of those. Five of them, five of those 15 are about you encouraging one another. That's, I thought that was pretty interesting. Must be pretty important, huh? But the word for encouragement or exhort in the New Testament shows up 105 times. Now, I could not go through every one of those passages with you this morning because we would run right through the second service and probably into the evening by the time we would get done and my voice would probably give out. Oh, that's another thing. When you're, when you're sitting with Pastor Phil and he's preaching, he'll sing a little bit. When he knows he ain't preaching, he's singing. So that was, a, that was encouraging to me this morning, just hearing him sing out like that. But here's what, the, the last thing I'll say about the encouragement. Encouragement provides us with a very uncommon opportunity to start something that may never end. You might start, you know what? How, where do I get that from? Encouragement is like throwing a rock in a body of water, okay, and watching the ripples of the water go all the way out. Where do the ripples stop? They typically stop at the bank. That ripple just keeps going on and on and on. So sometimes when you encourage someone, you are doing that very thing. You're throwing a rock into the pool, and that encouragement is just going out further and further and further. Where do I get that? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. He says this. NIV again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, encouragement, who comforts or encourages us in all our troubles. Okay? So that's comforting right there, that he's going to encourage me in all my struggles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble, with the comfort or the encouragement we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Our encouragement should be abounding. You know what? You're going to suffer in Christ. That's a promise of Scripture. You're going to share some of those sufferings that he had. But wouldn't it also be nice to share in the encouragement? I need to be encouraged. When you're in the struggles of life, when you're in the suffering patterns of life, you need someone to come alongside you and encourage you like no other time in your life. And so the, the connotation of that scripture, what it says is, you get comforted by Christ. So let's say that I'm going through something and I feel the comfort of Christ. He comes along. He encourages my heart. He's already in me, but he's there to encourage me. And so he shows me in his word maybe a passage that speaks to where I'm at in my suffering, and it encourages me. 
So now I take that passage and I go to Phil and I say, Phil, have you ever seen this passage? Look at the encouragement inside this passage. And Phil goes, you know, I, I saw that a long time ago, but I haven't seen it in a while. Man, and then he shares it with Tim. And then Tim shares it with uh, his wife, and his wife shares it with somebody else. Guess what happens? It's the ripple effect. It keeps going further and further and further and further out. That's what encouragement does. If you get encouraged almost every time when you're encouraged by someone, you know what you do? You share the fact that somebody encouraged you. We hardly ever sit on it when we're encouraged. We tell others about it. Man, I was so bummed out, and, and Pastor Larry came, and he shared this passage of Scripture with me, and he, he, he acted like he cared about what was going on in my life. Hopefully it wasn't acting. Right? He, he really cares about what goes into my life. And he shared a passage of Scripture, and it lifted me up. And now I have to share that with somebody. And guess what that'll do for the other saint in the church? They'll say, you know what? You're right. That's a scripture that does encourage. And I got to tell somebody else. And I got to tell somebody else. If your church, if we were a church, I believe we're doing this. I really do. I believe we're a church that encourages. Because if we weren't, I think God would eventually leave us. I really do. He wants you to be encouraging one another, using the word of God, telling people that we're in your life on purpose. There's a purpose for us being here. It's to encourage one another. So properly done, encouragement starts with God and is passed from one person to another, to another, to another. Let me give you an example of this. Joseph Bailey, an author, he wrote the book, The View from a hearse, shares the following story about his, his life. He buried three of his own sons during his lifetime. One died at 18 days old. One died at five years old from leukemia. The third died at 18 from complications of some kind of a blood disorder following a sledding accident. Joseph Bailey was, had more understanding about death, dying, and heaven than most of you and more than I want to know about it. When his 18-year-old son died, the son was engaged to a wonderful Christian girl, young lady. And shortly after his son's death, the young lady shared a copy of a poem with Joseph and his wife. The poem was written by a German pastor. You probably, if, if you're at this church very long, you've heard pastor talk about the man. His name's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he wrote this poem in 1945. He wrote the poem himself just three months before he was to be executed by the Nazis. At the time of writing the poem, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was engaged to be married. And when he was executed, he had a copy of that poem given to his fiancée. Here's a couple verses of that poem. Should it be ours to drain the cup of grieving, even to the dregs of passion at thy command, we will not falter, thankfully receiving all that is given by thy loving hand. While all the powers of good aid and attend us, boldly we will face the future, be what it may. At evening and at morning, God will befriend us, and oh, most surely on each New Year's Day. 
When Bailey later wrote a book about heaven, he included the poem in the book. 30 years after Bonhoeffer died and 12 years after the death of his 18-year-old son, Bailey received a letter from a pastor who told of giving a copy of the book to a woman who was ill in a Boston hospital. The woman was taken by the book. She stayed up all night long reading the book. Such comfort or encouragement was brought to her during her suffering. Not long after the reading of the book, the woman, Maria von Wiedemeyer, died. That woman was the woman who was engaged to Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was executed by the Germans. What a path, huh? Bonhoeffer writes a word of encouragement. It goes from him to his fiancée. It goes to Bailey's son's fiancée. It goes to Joseph Bailey and his wife. It goes to a pastor. Then it goes back to Bonhoeffer's fiancée, Maria von Wiedemeyer. When you give away encouragement, you start a process that may never, ever end. It's going to keep going and going. You never know You never know today what will happen with the word that you share of encouragement with someone. You may write it down in a card. You may put your arm around a grieving, hurting person. But by your act of encouragement, you start a process that just keeps going on and on. I encourage you this morning to become the you inside of encouragement. It does not work without you you need to be an encourager you need to use scripture to speak into people's lives come alongside write that note to someone you know needs encouragement do it today while it's called today text them if you have to email them there's so many ways that you can communicate with one another I recommend doing it face to face or at the very least call them because there's something wonderful about hearing their voice when they encourage you. Don't wait. They need encouraging today. You don't know in this room who really needs to be encouraged. I mean, we all need encouragement. We talked about that. But there's someone here today, right now, who's saying, nobody cares about me. I'm going down there. All they want is this and that. They just want me to work with the kids or they just want this or that or And and they got it so wrong. They got it so wrong. We want to care for their soul. That's what we really want to do. But someone's lying to them. And so they need to be encouraged. Well, they need that today. And I say it this way to you. The golden rule. What's the golden rule? Huh? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So maybe you're saying to yourself this morning, well, you know what? Things are pretty good. Me and my wife didn't even fight this week. So I don't really need to be encouraged necessarily. But that doesn't let you off the hook because there is someone here that needs to be encouraged today. Um, it, It might be your senior pastor. It might be our executive pastor. It might be me. I'm up here preaching today. Oh, he probably doesn't need to be encouraged. He's up there preaching. Wrong. We all need encouragement. So that would be my encouragement to you. 
Remember to do unto others in this area of encouragement as you would have them do unto you. Think about a time when you needed to be encouraged so badly. So badly. And then someone did. One of the greatest encouragers in my life was my Aunt Hazel. She had a way of no matter where you were at, even if you thought you were doing good, when you got done with her, you thought you could do a little bit better. And that's just who she was. And, and my pastor, he's been a great encouragement to me in my life. And so I just, um, like I say, we didn't, we're not going to exhaust this subject matter. But I wanted to speak about those things. So, Father, we thank you this morning for this wonderful gift of encouragement. I'm so thankful that you didn't save us and then say, encourage yourselves. I know we can be encouraged through Scripture, so we thank you. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside, and he's an encourager. And we thank you for that. But I thank you that you put us in a body. You put us together that we might iron sharpening iron, as you said, and that we might encourage our fellow brother or sister. And, Father, those that we know are struggling, I pray this morning that you would make Valley Bible Church the most encouraging place someone can come to because the people understand that you set it up for us to encourage one another. I thank you for that. I pray you would just use these words today. May, may what was said this morning captivate the hearts of the one who doesn't think they make a difference when it comes to encouraging because you didn't let any of us off the hook here. You said we're all to be encouragers. So I thank you for the subject. I thank you for the word of God that speaks clearly about it. May you now bless our time as we leave this place. In Christ's precious name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.